group gathering here in Washington to talk about their UFO sightings, but this apparently is no crackpot convention. Former high-level government and military officials are among those sharing what they've seen in the skies. Our national correspondent Gary Tuckman is here. He's watching all of this uh, unfold. So what's this conference, Gary, all about? Well, Wolf, it's most interesting. A panel discussion within the Beltway about what might be taking place in the Milky Way and beyond. Have extraterrestrials visit us here on Earth? Well, 14 men from seven different countries participated in a panel discussion to describe why they believe UFOs have visited Earth. And these aren't guys they just picked up off the street. The panel includes former governor of Arizona, Fife Symington, who is one of many Arizonans who said they saw UFOs back in 1997 during an episode that is popularly referred to as the Phoenix Lights. Major sighting here. We want the United States government to stop perpetuating the myth that all UFOs can be explained away in down-to-earth and conventional terms. Instead, our country needs to reopen its official investigation that it shut down in 1969. Also participating was a retired Air Force captain who says he and his passengers saw a huge flying disc. Also a retired Peruvian Air Force pilot who says he came within 300 feet of a circular UFO flying at 63,000 feet. And then there was a retired U.S. Air Force security officer who, while stationed in England, was summoned to a downed aircraft in a forest. When we came up on the triangular-shaped craft, there were blue and yellow lights swirling around the exterior as though they were part of the surface. The air around us was electrically charged, and we could uh, feel it on our clothes, our skin, and our hair. Well, Penniston then says the craft took off. He never saw any beings inside or outside the UFO. He says he took pictures, but inferred they were purposely overexposed by the government. Now, we've talked to the FAA before about investigating these kinds of claims, but the agency says, quote, it does not have the power to investigate. We've covered a few of these kinds of stories before, Wolf, and one thing that we always mention to the enthusiasts is if one of these craft came down on Earth and did an interview with one of us, the debate would be over. And that's how you take something that has meaning and value and make a joke out of it at the end. What you listened to was a news clip from CNN, Wolf Blitzer, and uh, you heard that two-bit reporter at the end kind of make light about what was going on. But once again, as we have often said on The Soul Trap and other writers and other podcasters have said likewise, you have people that are not yahoos out of some trailer park somewhere with nothing better to do. You have people that are pilots, governors, prime ministers, presidents, doctors, lawyers, scientists from all walks of life, from all genres of life, stating that something is out there. Something is up there. Something is going on. The UFO phenomenon has been a pervasive phenomenon. It is not just that it has been on TV and Hollywood and books and media and podcasts and blogs and all of that kind of thing. There is an interconnectivity to the subject of UFOs. Obviously, we cover that connectivity here on the Soul Trap when we deal with the UFO and demonism, Satanism, when we deal with the UFO and rapture and even theological uh, speculation when we come to issues like uh, Elijah and Elisha, the chariots of Israel, Zechariah, the flying roll, the ephah, and most interestingly, the the stories there, the true stories of Ezekiel. And so 
the UFO phenomenon has a very pervasive and phenomenal connectivity to many things. Connectivity to many people. And that is where our story today takes us. The UFO phenomenon connecting to somebody that you just wouldn't imagine that it would connect with. But it does. Or at least that's what it appears to do. In an article by Philip Coppins, Coppins writes that in 1991, Milton William Bill Cooper was one of the trendsetters of what became a whistleblower movement. He did so with a book called Behold a Pale Horse. Cooper was a former member of Naval Intelligence, and he offered information about the government's inner secrets, or so he claimed, including their attitude towards UFOs. Specifically, he claimed that Kennedy was assassinated because he was about to reveal the truth about UFOs. That we had been visited by extraterrestrial beings, and that this information was being kept secret by internal sources and groups within the deep state government. Now, as Coppins wrote, writes that, I have to admit that I have... I have read the same thing, not only in Bill Cooper's writings, but a few other nut job writings as well. I mean, there is the run-of-the-mill crazy like me, and then there is the really, truly crazy. Kennedy, killed. Bay of Pigs, no. Uh, the whole, uh, uh, the whole uh, 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 mafia connection, no. Why was he killed? Because he knew about UFOs? Mm, that seems a little far, far-fetched to me. But Coppins goes on and writes, Cooper claimed that Kennedy learned portions of a truth about the CIA and how the CIA was involved in an international narcotics empire. This is quite possible considering that most, uh, most people deeply involved in the plots to kill Castro or uh, at the time were also running uh, drugs and guns for the CIA, and this is provable is what Coppins says along with Cooper. So that much is not that far out of reach. It is quite possible, considering that those most deeply involved in the plots to kill Castro, an operation which was run directly by the CIA for many years without any real effect, no matter how inventive some of the scenarios to kill Castro were, have been equally ferociously involved in the drug trade. Now, as a sidebar, we can... We can verify that to some degree because we have mentioned, as we have mentioned in our podcast about Danny Castellaro, if you think the CIA is not eyeball deep in the drug trade, then you're fooling yourself and you've not done your research. We know that's true. But what makes this interesting is what Coppins writes and discovers in his work. Kennedy, Coppins writes, apparently also learned that part of the profits of this trade were used to continue a cover-up about alien crashed discs whose crash sites had been quote-unquote cleaned up by the military. In short, there was a section of the U.S. government which was a rogue operation, a deep state, so to say. Though apparently government employees, their money came from international organized crime, and because they did not rely on Washington for money, they were out of reach of the administration. That is ultimately what Kennedy found out. Some of the details of these UFO crashes were a little bit more than just interesting. They were profoundly interesting. Rumor has it, Coppins writes, that apparently alien bodies, one possibly alive, had been recovered from these crash discs. Kennedy forced the CIA to end their work and their involvement in this drug trafficking network and threatened to reveal the truth about the presence of aliens and alien technology to the people 
within the next year, that is before the summer of 1964, if they did not comply. He apparently commissioned a plan to implement this decision. MJ-12, which according to Cooper was a group of people that had been installed as quote-unquote supervisors over the alien cover-up, had been confronted with this ultimatum and again, according to Cooper, decided that they had to get rid of Kennedy. It would be another few years before Coppins, as he writes, would understand that there was no MJ-12, that this had been part of a disinformation campaign against UFO researchers. Paul Benowitz, who had stumbled upon secret communications the government did not want anyone to know about, to make sure he did not learn the truth of the nature of these communications, he was fed a series of lies claiming the communications were to do with alien intelligences and UFOs. On page 27 of Behold a Pale Horse, Bill Cooper claimed, quote, On the day that I learned that the Office of Naval Intelligence had participated in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, and that it was the Secret Service agent driving the limo that had shot Kennedy in the head, I went AWOL with no intention of ever returning. It does seem that no one ever did charge Cooper with being AWOL from deserting. William Greer is his name. Cooper claimed that the man who killed Kennedy was the driver, Secret Service agent William Greer. He somehow miraculously turns around, so Cooper claims, to shoot the president. Now, the problem is, we have the Zapruder film. When confronted with the fact that the Zapruder film does not show this is actually how Kennedy was killed, Cooper claimed that the Zapruder film had simply been doctored. Now, I do not for one second believe that Oswald was the lone shooter making an almost impossible shot. Quite frankly, if you believe that, oh, I, I'd like to sell you a bridge somewhere. I mean, the truth is that's just, that's just not a viable option. That being the case, I don't think you can simply just go around and claim that the Sapruta film was altered. A technology, by the way, which was not available at the time, simply because your theory does not match up to what the facts show. To claim that it was a Secret Service driver who fired the kill shot on Kennedy simply does not up. Besides, the direction of the supposed Secret Service shot does not match up to what we can clearly see from empirical and eyewitness testimony. That being the case, though, there is some connection between the Secret Service, the assassination of Kennedy, and other forces. Coppins goes on to write, quote, Cooper came to this conclusion. He said that when he saw the Operation Majority while serving in the Navy, Cooper says, I believe that the alien threat was real just like everyone else. It was not until I had performed many years of research that I was able to fully understand exactly what it was that I had seen. It was extremely difficult for me to believe that my government and the United States Navy had used me, especially since I had dedicated my life to government and military service. Most government and military personnel cannot and will not believe such an idea. Operation Majority was, in fact, MJ-12, or commonly known as the Majestic 12. Coppins cites the fact that Cooper's claims actually tended to discredit the UFO movement. What Cooper was actually doing was merging at least two different conspiracy theories, each with a huge following in their own right. The Kennedy assassination and all of its nuances and all of its minutiae and the UFO with all of its shadow figures and all of its nuances and all of its quote-unquote whistleblowers. And what Cooper had somehow done is conveniently and possibly even lucratively link them together. 
So what was Cooper's alleged evidence that Kennedy was assassinated possibly exclusively for or partly for his connection with UFOs? Well, Cooper claimed that originally he had read documents about multiple races of alien beings that the U.S. government had encountered or signed treaties with, but he never provided the documents or gave any useful information. For seven years, he spoke about the UFOs to anyone who wanted to listen then said the government had given him bogus information and that nothing was true. Cooper, it seems, had found out that the MJ-12 papers were being exposed as a disinformation campaign. And he distanced himself from the entire story. Of course, after seven years of spreading this information about, today, most of Cooper's claims continue to influence the conspiratorial mind. So it is hard to be able to differentiate what was false from Cooper, what was true from Cooper, what was close to being true, what was close to being false, and somewhere in between all of that mess. But the question underneath all remains, is there a connection between the UFO and Kennedy's assassination? Did Kennedy know something? Even further, was he even convinced that there was something there? In the furthest reaches of conspiratorial lore, Could it even be possible, feasible, plausible that the UFO phenomenon and Kennedy's awareness of it or possible awareness or leaking of it or possible divulgence of it, could that have anything to do at all with the assassination of John F. Kennedy? Now, although there is a lot of reaching and there's a lot of bottomless bog and confusion, myth and outright lies when it comes to both Kennedy and the UFO conspiracies, There are, ladies and gentlemen, some strange connections. Apparently, there was a memo. Some have questioned the validity of the memo. Some have uh, have said that it wasn't true. Some have said that it was. But there was, apparently, a memo. Reports state that there was an official presidential memo. The memo asked for a breakdown of identified and unidentified sightings that the CIA was aware of. In fact, it was a a memo from the very hand of JFK. JFK apparently wrote, quote, it would be very helpful if you would have the high threat cases reviewed with the purpose of identification of bona fide as opposed to classified CIA and USAF sources. It is important, JFK wrote, that we make a clear distinction between the knowns and unknowns in the event the Soviets try to mistake our extended cooperation as as a cover for intelligence gathering of their defense and space programs. Now let me read the back end of that memo to you again, and I want you to listen to it very closely. Quote, it is important that we make a clear distinction between the knowns and unknowns in the event that Soviets try to mistake our extended cooperation as a cover for intelligence gathering of their defense and space programs. Now he goes on to say, I would like to arrange a program of data sharing with NASA where unknowns are a factor. Now what I think is important to note is that line where he says that the Soviets not mistake our extended cooperation as a cover for intelligence gathering. The question begs, extended cooperation with who? Who would we be cooperating with in aerial phenomenon and spatial phenomenon that an outside source like the Soviets observing could possibly mistake something that was going on? Who or what 
was JFK referring to when he mentioned our quote-unquote extended cooperation? JFK also reportedly sent a separate memo to NASA asking for cooperation with the former Soviet Union on mutual outer space activities. That's interesting. Since we were in a space race with them, trying to get to the moon, what outer space activities were we now willing to cooperate with our arch enemy, whom, mind you, just a few months prior we were willing to go to war with in Cuba? It is understood JFK was concerned about the high amount of UFO sightings over Russia, and he feared the Soviets would wrongly believe it was a U.S. US spying. Four days later, on November 16, 1963, he visited NASA at Cape Canaveral, which further fuels many conspiracy theories that he was far more connected with space and far more connected with what's going on in space than surface data would lead to believe. Now, all this information I have come across in one way or another before. What I'm telling you is not necessarily any new revelation, but still... As I read, you know, it's it's interesting to think about and to ponder, but there was nothing really startling about what I just gave you. If you've done any really extensive reading, you've come across these subjects before. And both subjects, Kennedy and the UFO subject, are cloaked in lore. I mean, they are just cloaked in a, in a, in a huge wrap of lore and mythology, and so it's very hard to differentiate. And the truth is, I thought I had seen it all. I thought I had read all the little nuances and connections until I was reading a book recently. I was reading on some research connected with Danny Casolaro when I came across a very interesting set of dots that could not help but be connected. Ken Thomas is the author of a book titled The Maury Island UFO, The Crimson Conspiracy. I highly suggest you read that book and get it. In the book, he highlights an unbelievable set of coincidences that may actually tie the Kennedy assassination and the UFO phenomenon together. A man named Fred Chrisman played a central role in these seemingly unrelated events. The Maury, I the Maury Island UFO crash site and event is one of the most famous in UFO folklore. All you have to do is Google it and you'll get plenty of information and books ad nauseum on the issue. What happened was four people, including Harold Dahl and his son, witnessed a UFO event from a salvage boat in a bay near Maury Island. They reported seeing six donut-shaped craft approximately 20 feet in diameter hovering high above. Five of the craft formed a circle surrounding a craft in the middle that was wobbling badly. The seemingly damaged craft suddenly dropped down about 700 feet, then spewed a substance. One was like a paper-like metal that floated in the bay, and the other was a hot, streaming black sludge that rained down, striking Dahl's son and killing his dog. Dahl reported these events to a man by the name of Fred Chrisman, a man that he believed to have some connection in the intelligence community. Chrisman subsequently went to Maury Island to investigate the incident. He found a great deal of both materials on the shore and recovered some for himself. Soon thereafter, Chrisman shared his experience with Ray Palmer, a magazine publisher, who then hired Kenneth Arnold. Does the name sound familiar? Kenneth Arnold is what you would call the original pilot. 
Kenneth Arnold, mind you, was the man who saw UFOs near Mount Rainer and made the reports. And it was from his words that reporters coined the phrase flying saucers. Three days later, Arnold had more sightings, culminating with a woman recovering some unusual material in the same vicinity. The material was gathered up and a report was made to the FBI. The FBI chief in that region came onto the scene. His name? Guy Bannister. Captain Lee Davidson and Lieutenant Frank Brown, Air Force investigators under the command of General Nathan Twinning, soon joined Arnold and Bannister in retrieving debris on Maury Island. Ultimately, Chrisman was compelled to turn over all of his samples to the two Air Force investigators. Classified documents recently discovered under the Freedom of Information Act also indicate that Chrisman turned additional samples he had held back over to a CIA agent by the name of Clay Shaw. Two men directly involved in a UFO case, Guy Bannister and the FBI, Clay Shaw, and the CIA. Remember those names. On November 22, 1963, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas. After the Warren Commission dutifully followed the command of the powers that be, and exonerated any kind of conspiratorial ideas whatsoever, and laid the complete and total blame at the feet of a, a patsy, a moron by the name of Oswald, after all of that dog and pony show was over, many were still concerned that the slaying of Kennedy was not simply the result of some lucky lone nut firing a gun. And in 1968, New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison claimed that there were operatives from within the government Men that we would consider now part of the deep state that were directly and indirectly involved in the assassination of Kennedy. Now, what made this case so profound was that Garrison charged certain people by name, not just ambiguous alphabet groups within the government, but people by name. Certain specific people within the government and within the arena of covert operations and powers that be. Who were the people that he named? Well, he named many, but there are three names that should stand out to you. Fred Chrisman, Clay Shaw, Guy Bannister. In 1943 to 1952, Guy Bannister was the FBI's special agent in charge in the Pacific Northwest, later transferred to Chicago. Upon retirement, he opened a private investigative office in New Orleans where he occasionally hired Lee Harvey Oswald in a variety of capacities, and it is rumored that he worked just as Cooper mentioned with the Office of Naval Intelligence. In 1963, former CIA agent Clay Shaw was the director of the International Trademark New Orleans, a CIA front organization. He later went to trial as one of conspirators, one of the co-conspirators in JFK's death, but was found not guilty by a jury. Fred Chrisman was believed to be one of the three so-called hobos who were picked up in the railroad yard immediately following JFK's shooting, then released shortly thereafter. At the time of the shooting of JFK, there were many people that believed that there was gun smoke, sounds of gunshots coming from the grassy knoll. That grassy knoll was separated from the rail yard by a fence, and many believed that there were hobos that didn't actually meet the definition and the criteria of hobos. They looked too groomed, they looked too military, and that these three hobos were part of a triangulation team that were involved in the shooting and assassination of JFK. 
regardless of what you want to say or what you want to believe, how odd is it that three men directly involved in one of the most important UFO cases in American history just happened to be involved in one of the most important assassination cases in American history? In September of 1964, the Warren Commission report claimed that Kennedy was killed by a lone gunman named Lee Harvey Oswald. However, 15 years later, the House Selection Committee on Assassinations concluded unequivocally that Kennedy was, quote, probably killed as the result of a conspiracy, but was unable to identify the other gunman or the extent of the conspiracy. The question now really is this. The question is not if there was a conspiracy. The question is not even who were the conspirators? The real root of the question is, why? Why not discredit the man? If you don't like him, why not just discredit him? He was not as popular as we are led to believe. And he won just barely by his father, Joe Kennedy, manipulating Chicago politics and literally buying off the election for him. Why not discredit the man? Everyone knew he was having affairs and that he was physically and morally weak. Why not have him defeated in an election? If you're powerful enough to kill and cover up the assassination of a president, surely you could rig an election in a state. They did so, as I just mentioned, with Joe Kennedy getting him into office the first time through, uh, through the Chicago way. So why would you need to kill? Why would he need to be killed? And in such a public way, what was the message that was being sent? Not only to him, but possibly to those that would follow him. Did Kennedy know something? Is there a reason that three men directly involved in one of the biggest UFO cases in American history are likewise involved in one of the biggest assassination cases in American history? It is, ladies and gentlemen, the definition of an enigma. Why was Kennedy killed? Was he killed by a lone nut? Was he killed because he was involved in Traficante and and many of the other underworlds? Was he killed because Bobby Kennedy, his brother, was shutting down the underworld? Was he killed because of the Bay of Pigs? Or is it possible that in some weird, strange way, Kennedy was killed because of a connection to UFOs? (laughs) Look, if you think that's strange, wait until I tell you about Marilyn Monroe. Can anyone say shapeshifter? <laughs>